Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Sayo Nickerson. We hope that you will join Brandon, Victoria, and I as we aim to make sense of the past, age-old mysteries, and historical figures through mediumship, where we chat with beings or spirits on the other side who have a story to tell. We never know where it's going to go, and we hope that you will come along for the ride. everybody and welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. This week's episode, we talk with Heath Ledger. And if not all of you know who he is, he was uh, an actor, an Australian actor who died at a young age, 28, I think it was. Mm. So before we watched a video with him in it, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, Victoria and I, and that's all that she knew about him. Just that movie. She didn't know much of anything else. Yet she figured out, okay, he's depressed, he's anxiety. This young guy who seems to have everything, and she figured that out. I mean, I guess that's, you know, people who seem to have everything sometimes are depressed. What we find out and what we, we talk about in this is like, there was a point in his career where he suddenly just changed and he became depressed and he also didn't sleep very well. Um, he actually had some very in-depth and inspiring words. Yeah, we find out how we can all stay on the, our true path and how it's such a good lesson for all of us. I mean, this is, you know, it's key stuff. These interviews, I find they always give us information that helps us. It helps me. It helps you. It helps kind of the world at large, which is why there's always benefit every time we do these interviews. There's some really good tidbits that come out. And then, yeah, just all the stuff about what happens like when you die and then who do you meet after you die? And then what are the next steps? And when do you decide to come back to earth? And uh, we talked about all that stuff. So that was really interesting. We hope that you really enjoy this episode. It, it was really, it was different and I liked it a lot. Good, me too. Yeah, enjoy everybody. Enjoy. Hi everybody. Uh, we're excited today to bring to you, again, a totally different personality than one, than anybody else that we've done so far. And we're going to Attempt, <laughs> I say attempt to speak to. We are hoping to connect with Heath Ledger. And for those of you who don't know, he was a young Australian actor who, I mean, he had a successful career, but I think there was a lot of serious acting, potential Oscars, big roles ahead of him when he um, died by overdose or from a bad mixture of prescription pills when he was 28 years old. Vic and I were just talking about this before and how we thought this might be an interesting way to explore the time of death, you know, when people die. Like, the stuff I've read says certain things. Like, you know, you there's certain exit points in your life that you can choose to leave this life or you can choose to stay based on, I guess, how things are going or how you're feeling, like free will. Mm -hmm. but that there are kind of like these exits. And so I'd be curious to ask him and find out more about like, why then, you know, we had so much ahead. Like, how does this all happen? And I know I've heard some people or some souls say like it was an accident. Like I didn't actually mean to. Mm -hmm. Or for some people, suicide could be their life's path that they chose to follow through with before they incarnated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to learn more about Heath Ledger and and we chose him. Tell us why, how we chose him. 
Well, maybe because Vic and I saw a movie together called 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was like, because you hanging around Vic's aura or something like that. It was purely, <laughs> purely, <laughs> since, what do you call that? I was going to say, it's like People Magazine. Yeah. Oh, what about him? Well, I watched the movie and I just was smiling so much, maybe because he's really good looking, but something about him <laughs> felt like magnetic and really happy. And I thought, oh, I'd love to talk to you. Okay. Yeah, cool. Let's see if Heath Ledger will come in. I don't feel like I'm getting anything solid yet. I'm just... I know we didn't publish the Kurt Cobain one, but it feels like it could potentially be similar in the fact that he has different parts of him, so it gets a bit confusing. Because mm. um, the initial feeling I had when I saw him on a screen was like just one of pure joy. And I thought, why someone who can exude that much joy, why would they kill themselves? Why would they end their life? I mean, I guess people are good at pretending they're okay, but the fact that you can feel it from him just felt really odd. Like, he seems like such a light. Well, one thing I should say is that I don't think he did kill himself. Oh, okay. Uh, it was, um, yeah, he, he, was, he had pneumonia, and he was also had insomnia. Yeah, severe insomnia for several so years. So he was on a bunch of like five <clears throat> or six different prescription, six, yeah. but oh. he was mixing his pneumonia drugs with his all the sleeping stuff or whatever else he was taking for anxiety. And but he was not like he was not a happy person. I don't think he struggled well, a lot with not being able to sleep. But like that yeah. just that was messes his major with thing, you. Yeah, sleep. Yeah. Okay. That but if that makes a bit more sense to you, okay. It makes me a bit sad because I see him like almost coming around and meeting me and like say I'm sat on a chair and for some reason I have like a blanket over my shoulders and he holds my hands and he, he seems really kind and caring. He seems like someone who would have just been so lovely in life and wanted to help people. But with that, it's like he seems okay. It's more like he's worried about me being upset that he's here or something or other people being upset yeah. but he feels quite peaceful like yeah I'm here but he still feels happy and a bit of a feeling from him like I don't even know what to say like he doesn't really have an explanation it feels like for what happened it's just like oh yeah I'm here I don't really have the words does he wish he could have stayed longer on earth of course, is what I'm hearing him say. He's saying, like, most of us will always want longer. Why? Because we always think we could have done more. We could have been more. I feel like it's interesting. He's, I feel like he's speaking quite strongly, like, through me, which feels nice. Um, so I'm just going to run with that. He's kind of saying that when you get to that side, you just accept. You learn to accept that you didn't need to do more, or even if you, you did, you just accept that, well, you didn't, and that's okay. But as humans, it's like, no, 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 I don't want to die at 50-something or 30. I, I want to live to, like, 80, 90 so I can make the most of my time, unless you're severely unhappy and you really don't want to be alive. But I'm sure most people would say they'd rather live to 80 than die at 30. So it does feel like... A bit of a shame, but I feel that's more coming from me than it is from him, mm. that he died so young. 
Well, is that something that he's had to work on since it happened to to sort of make peace with the fact that he left this life that was, you know, he'd been working really hard and it was going someplace? Like, how, how did he handle his death right after it happened? Yeah, I was going to ask, was he surprised? He's saying it all happened so quickly. Even in life, it doesn't feel like he knew that he would die. So I don't feel like he meant to, even if he was really troubled. I don't necessarily feel like he had really dark suicidal thoughts or anything. I'm gonna I'll ask him a bit more about that, like just pre-death, how he was feeling. He's saying he was in a bit of a cave, being a dark place mentally. But it wasn't that there, there wasn't any light at the end of the tunnel for him. It was just at that point, like, there was a lot of darkness and feeling trapped. And it doesn't necessarily feel like depression. It's more, uh, yeah, I would say it's more anxiety because you can see him moving about a bit, like, wondering how to get out. Does that have anything to do with his split with Michelle Wolf? Williams? Yeah, Michelle Williams, and he had a daughter with her. Feels like he's not even quite sure what led him there. It wasn't like one thing that made him spiral. He just suddenly found himself in that place. Does he have any idea what might have contributed to those feelings? Feels like everything caught up with him at once. So it would have been a bit more of a long time coming. So like becoming famous quickly or being well known. Um, people watching you. And there is this there is this joy about it, but I think all, the whole time there was also an anxiety. I feel like he's probably dealt with anxiety his whole life at some like in some capacity. Everything I see like things becoming too much, and then he drops something. Like you're carrying a lot, and then you suddenly just kind of crack, and you think, oh, "I'm just going to drop everything." So I feel like some mistakes, as humans would call them, would have been made. Like some choices, he probably isn't particularly proud of but he just couldn't handle it anymore and then he goes into a, a dark cave mm. apparently he spoke on the phone with his family the night before and his sister was pleading with him to not just take all these medications together she even said you don't know like what the pneumonia stuff's going to do to the other stuff this other thing that he's mm. on and, uh, and he, he was like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. On a soul level, was that kind of a warning from her? Like he had this chance to not exit at this exit point? I don't necessarily feel like he was, like he had to die at this point. So was that a warning he should have heeded? Yeah, it feels like his sister knows. I can feel it in her chest of like the panic, but he just doesn't really want to listen. And it feels like he would have been so blocked off because of his anxiety and anything else that's going on with him blocked off from his own intuition and any guidance that would have come in. So it's like she comes in to say that, but he doesn't. Yeah, one of the pills was anxiety, for anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do souls always get to choose? Even if after they're like, oh, wait, I don't want to do that. Like, was it still a choice on his part? Or was it really just like an accident? On some level, it was a choice because he took close steps to do it. Even if he didn't consciously know what the outcome would be, he did it. 
it's not like someone killed him. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes we just make the wrong choices. Again, he's, there's acceptance from him, though. It's not like, oh, crap, I made a really big mistake and I completely fucked up my soul's journey. It's it's like we're on a path and then sometimes we take a wrong little route and it really I, messes you up. I kind of feel like it's when the other day we play Carcassonne. Then there's an outcome. And then, you know, Brett and I talking about like, oh, I think like it really went my way when this thing happened. or Or sometimes I just see like, three major bad decisions that I made that then led to, you know, a big loss or something. And so I kind of feel like it's maybe a bit like that, right? Like you can, like when he said about people want, generally want to come back, it's to say like, we want to play again because they're like, oh, let me try to do better next time. Mm -hmm. I know a bit more now, so let me try again. Is that what reincarnation is? Is that why it comes back in play? Yeah, I think every time you, you incarnate, well, you should in theory learn more. And then you learn more on the other side. And it's like, okay, I'm ready to do it again. But then there are all these tests and all these things come flying at you. like, And you think, oh, it's simple. I see this path from one end to the other end. And then you get on it and you're like, oh, there's a block and there's something I need to jump yeah, over. And then something comes in. Like, instead of this, it's like... Yeah, exactly. Back and come, it's like, you're like, it's not as easy as I thought. No. <laughs> you think like, right, I'm going to go straight down this line and I'm going to make it there and do everything perfectly. But there's so many different factors at play because of all the other people in our lives as well. Like domino effects constantly. So and we tune out our intuition. And so that we like make bad decisions that lead to other bad decisions. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting, right? Because when people talk about their past lives, which a lot of people in Bali are always, you know, a lot of people know about their past lives here. Like you were talking about yours and I've been told about a few of mine and, you know, and how in, in this one life I died miserable because I didn't make a certain choice that was there. And, but then in this life I made that choice. And so we'll mm. see how I die. But it's kind of like, you know, you have those five lives or whatever, and you're trying again, trying again. Ah, oh, I made it to this next level. I made that choice that it took me five lifetimes to make. But then, of course, there's like the next level. And then if you aren't aware of past lives, for example, it's so easy just to get caught in a loop again of, oh, I didn't make the choice. Yeah, here this I am again, yeah. this like bitter old lady for the same reasons I was a bitter old lady last time. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, um, since, you know, he's he left this plane in 2008. So what's that for 14 years ago? What has he, what's happened to him, like, on the other side? Between that time and now, what's he been up to? Feels like when he got there, he was a bit confused, which would make sense if you have loads of drugs in your system. Even though you're on the other side, it's, you can still kind of feel the haziness from someone, like, you know, that they didn't die in clear circumstances. But people meet him there. But I see him like lying on the ground and then people pick him up and he's like, oh, I'm here. So it, do it really doesn't feel like he expected to not wake up in his life mm -hmm. as his ledger. But it feels like from that, you don't, he didn't go straight to looking at his life. Like, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? It feels like he needed some time to mourn that life he just left and just some recuperation of... Um, that amount of drugs can have a real big effect on your energy body. So it feels like he really, he needed to go and like be in solitude for a bit. Well, not 
necessarily on his own, not like last week when we were talking about the darker souls and where they go. It almost feels like a soul hospital or something where people will care for him until he's kind of like, oh, okay, I'm here. Like his, his soul fully comes back and he's there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then once you're ready to be discharged from that because you're healed, then you would go and be like, okay, let's look at what happened. Is that what he did? Yeah, but it feels like a bit of a sad process for him, not necessarily for everyone. He wasn't immediately accepting, like, he's coming through now at the beginning. There's a process he went to get to that place. And there's definitely sadness as well of like, oh, I've left people. There's a bit of, I don't like using the word guilt for a soul, but just a bit of, oh, whoa, responsibility like that. Yeah, that's going to have a knock-on effect. Yeah, I've essentially traumatised someone from my choice. Mm-hmm. So that's like a, a, whew, a huge thing to, to swallow. A lot of the times when you read about near-death experiences, and I always bring this up every episode, um, not this particular example. However, they say when they pass and go on to the other side, when they look at how it's going to affect their loved ones, that's one of the main reasons why they come back to the body because you're usually given a choice mm. and so like my, my mom I saw my mom you know for years struggling with my death so and it was so painful for her so I came back and so she didn't have to experience that kind of thing like that mm-hmm. is did he have to go through that process of looking at all of these loved ones emotions I don't know is that one of the reasons why he was in the hospital like this beyond the veil hospital the hospital feels like it's more for him and his soul's healing. And then after is where you look at how it would affect how it would have affected other people because if he's not fully present and whole in himself, he can't then go and sit and look at what he did to others. He needs to like fully come back in and be ready and present to deal with that. So going back just a little bit to the moment where he does die. Did he have a choice? Was that given to him at the time? I was just Doesn't thinking that. Did he have a near-death experience, but and then chose found not him to? In time, or I, don't I was know. like, it's so nice over here, but I don't. I wonder. It sounds like if he was just woke up and he was there, that that kind of didn't happen. If I'm thinking back to what his sister said to him now, I feel like if someone was meant to come in and find him early enough, they would have got that urge or free will maybe someone didn't follow that intuitive urge for some reason you said that with michael jackson i was thinking about it earlier yeah but if it wonder if it was the same because when they found him you know he'd been there for a while and the masseuse touched him was like oh my god he's cold Mm -hmm. so i don't think you can revive somebody when they've gone cold Mm -hmm. no there's something hold on there's something there again i can feel the stress of his sister and it's like oh i know i need to do something but i can't do anything was she like far away in another so in she Australia? Okay, so she wouldn't have been able to be there, no. And I can feel that stress in her. It's almost like you're worrying, you know. You know, someone's like driving home in the ice, and you think like, oh, I just want to make sure, like, I know they're fine and they're going to make it home, and you're just waiting for them to know that they've arrived. That's so sad. Yeah, but there's there was only so much she could do. And if no one's suspecting you of being suicidal, then it's more like just trusting in he's taking some medication and 
hopefully he knows what he's doing, like it will be fine. But she has more of a gut feeling of like it's not fine. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like anyone would think to check on him because he's not a threat to himself mentally. Right. Did some of his last movies that he created, are any of those linked to his insomnia? I'm asking him, why can't you sleep? And he's saying there's an immense amount of pressure. I think with the anxiety as well, it's this feeling of like, I want to make sure I'm doing things right. So it's the self-pressure. Hmm, interesting. So his first movies were kind of, you know, presented him in a certain way, the certain way of acting. Heartthrobs. Yeah, and he didn't really enjoy that, And so, according to what I watched and read. So he wanted to take on roles that were more complicated and more would stretch his acting ability mm-hmm. and uh, even be more dark and kind of grimy. See, that's true. Yeah, I do get the sense that he wanted to mature, but he bit off more than he could chew, is what I'm hearing. Hmm. Because it feels like he went from sweet, kind of simple roles, and then it branches out. It just feels more hectic and dark. What do you mean by it? He bit off more than he could chew. How could he not handle it? Because he was highly acclaimed in those roles. But he just feels like delicate in himself. So the emotional toll of those roles on him? When he's in these these first roles, you, you get to know how to do it. It's like safe for your nervous system almost. You're like, cool, yeah, I can do that. And then you want to go out your comfort zone. But through with that, you have to face some fears and discomfort. And so I feel like he took a leap too soon to go too big. And then it feels like that's the biting off more than he could chew. Like a system couldn't handle all that came with that and all the responsibility and requirements of him. And as the world looking at you as well. I'm going to kind of take us off course a little bit and go to one another one of his movies, um, A Knight's Tale. So my near-death experience friend was told that The Knight's Tale was actually true events and a true story, that it was channeled. Like, whoever wrote the screenplay channeled that. And, and to say that's true events is not, like, perfectly true. Mm-hmm. Was he in that past life? Oh. I'm hearing he would have known something similar to it. Like, he would have felt some resonance, but it, not necessarily that was his life. He was a jouster in a previous life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to look a bit more at his later work to see what shifted. There's a there's definitely a point where it feels like he goes from being happy and light to then it turns quite dark, and I feel it in my stomach. Definitely within his 20s. Do you know if someone comes in, like uh, management or someone that would have... I don't know. I haven't heard... I didn't read anything about that. Feels like something changes course, so maybe he gets like a different agent or a different company comes to him. But there's something that feels, I would say, darker. Doesn't mean it's like malevolent, but it doesn't really feel good. Whatever he, they've asked him to be a part of doesn't feel like it doesn't put me at ease. Maybe it wasn't a good match for him or didn't have good intentions. For some reason, it's not the most aligned choice for him. Like, free will, you can choose which one you want, but it doesn't feel nourishing for who he is as a soul and as a person. How about uh, Brokeback Mountain? Mm. How old was he when that? I'm not sure. Five, maybe? 
It does feel like something switched there, but that doesn't feel like the pivotal thing. But there's a maturation process with that movie. But there's something that he's able to stick to the, on the edge of that. Like, he's not, he's not at the centre of it or something. There's other people there as well who the light's on. That feels like quite a pleasant experience. That, that movie doesn't feel like it's the thing. I mean, that's where he met his wife. She was on that movie, and then I think the, the other co-star, Jake Gyllenhaal, was like, became his good friend. Well, so it his, probably was a positive yeah, they experience made, um, for him. Jake, the godfather of... Oh, yeah, Matilda? Is that right? Godfather? Yeah. Godfather of Matilda. So going back to what he went through, so he, he went and got cleansed or whatever. Healed in the hospital. Healed at the hospital. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened? And then he goes and looks at his... Life, so that I was saying there's kind of like that oh, the weight of responsibility of his choices. Let us look more at that then, how, how that process feels and goes. So it feels like you do have to see the pain that you've caused, although this doesn't feel like, look what you did, you know, it's not someone who's been a murderer or a rapist or actually inflicted physical harm on somebody. So it's not like he's being punished or blamed for what he did, but it's like how you got here has affected the people around you. How did he feel about his ex-wife, you know, like in, when just before he died, or Michelle Williams? He feels a little bit numb to his emotions before he dies, which would make sense if you're on that many drugs. Very disconnected from the body. So I don't really feel any, like, hatred or any really deep, dark feelings, but he does feel kind of a bit removed and disassociated but it's not like he was pining after her and wanted her back in his life or anything I don't think he knew what he wanted he's quite wrapped up in this dark cave and anxiety and maybe at some points it came out as like he could have not lashed out in anger I don't feel like he's an angry person but he could have if anything would come out it would be like desperation like little bits would like inner child stuff would come out would any of these drugs that he was taking, did they cause him to have some type of depression or put him in this cave? Well, there's a sense of it numbing. Like it just, everything just kind of becomes this hum. Mm. And so that's why he's not really feeling anything in particular because they stop you from feeling. Mm. So you don't feel the bad things, but then you also don't feel the good things. So he's not like himself and I feel like he can't relate to people in the loving, compassionate, kind way that he is at his core. And so uh, during this life review, when you can see, you know, what pain he caused the people left behind, what else did he observe about that life that he's either proud of or not happy with? I don't see anything, like any really dark, sticky point that he has to look at and think, what the fuck did I do? I don't want to say it's smooth sailing the whole way through because I'm sure he had things to navigate, but nothing feels that he's done like really terrible. What about on, on the flip side, like things that he's particularly proud of? Because he accomplished a lot in a short time. I guess what I guess what I'd want to know would be like what was his mission on earth and yeah. how well did he achieve that? Well, I don't feel that he got to complete his mission. What was it? I'm seeing along like a timeline of his life, 
point. So maybe when he was around 20 or something, it's like something lights up as in that's a point where like, yes, you did something you were meant to do or you fulfilled a purpose or like whatever your mission was, you is amplified there. And maybe even at like 15 as well. And then you move forward and I'm trying to see where else. I feel like the birth of his child would have been a bright light as well. But it, it feels less about like his mission and more just about like a joyous moment in his life. I'm seeing it as the, the points where it's been like his life purpose bright moment. They're like an orangey yellow colour and then like the birth of his daughter would be like a white line. Mm. So different specs throughout. I wonder if it was when he made the choice to move to the US. Hollywood, yeah. What the good or the bad? Well, so he was from he was from Perth, which is from the same town as Karis. Yeah. Albany. Oh, really? Yeah. And then he met a woman, 19 or 18 years his senior, that he got involved with, that she was also an actress, and she kind of wooed him over to California from Australia. At what age? I think it was 19 or 20. Yeah, it must have been around then. I mean, that's a big change. I think it was that's actually a big 18. Change. No, it was, I think it was 18 years old. 18 years old, and, it was, and I think it was, she was 19 years his senior. But, um, well, the, the, there was the first one where, you know, he was from Perth, and him and his buddy made the cross-country yeah. trip to Sydney to pursue acting careers. And so it, that would have been a big to, step. He seemed to get these acting careers pretty easily. I mean, and probably not, but it just seems like he went over to Sydney, got on a show right away, yeah. uh, a show that went on for a while, and then got did something else, met um, this girl, took him to California, and then immediately got on 10 Things I Hate About You, this is what I mean. It feels like smooth sailing. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, where's the... This I mean, his, is easy. <laughs> he's an incredible actor, and apparently he's very good looking. So yes. that's helpful. <laughs> so and, it feels like he needed to get there. Personable. He must have been personable. I feel like he was really kind and just like... Yeah, yeah he's probably a really kind person. But he gets there, so it's like he's, his life purpose, clearly he's meant to go there, otherwise there would have been more blocks in his way to change course, and they're just there weren't so he was on path and then something so it doesn't feel like he got to complete because what gets something gets in the way and then I see it as like the end of the path kind of turns into a bit of an explosion it gets dark there's a bit of orange in there but it's like black and orange the color I'm seeing and the path instead of being like a straight line it splits out into like a, a V or it opens up but there's just destruction in there is that because of this role as the Joker? Did he take on some evil spirit? I mean, it's possible. When you take drugs, you open up your energy and any kind of yeah, attachment exactly. can come in yeah. and infiltrate you. So, I mean, I think anyone taking a lot of drugs and an addict probably has some kind of attachment. Doesn't mean you're going to have to die. Let's see. I mean, it is a dark movie. I've seen it ages ago, but... It I think is. people around him said that it took a real toll on him. But I'm just always like, why? I feel kind of gross about it. Like, it's the biting off more than he can chew and like wanting to mature and, and be something different. And I do feel like someone kind of comes in and offers him that role. And it's like someone saying, would you like to take this pill? I'm like, you, you know, you shouldn't take pills from strangers, but you do. And I'm not saying that's drugs, I'm saying that's like an offer of an opportunity is the pill. And he takes it because it's like, I want to do something different. 
I want to be slightly different. I want to challenge myself. But it's the temptation. It's like Adam and Eve and the apple. It's... They say it's the best acting for the Joker in all cinema. Was that what he was going for? Being the best Joker. And in that process, did it kind of overwhelm him? He feels way more humble than that. I can't imagine him doing something to be the best at it. If anything, he'd want to challenge himself, not compete with somebody else. Because there's also um, people have said that he wasn't getting out of character when he was the Joker. Like around set, he was still the Joker. Is that true? I do feel like he had to give up a bit of himself. There's still, I'm, I'm still trying to search. I want to like zoom in bit by bit on his life because I want to find that point where he goes from being this like humble, lovely, kind Australian guy to switching into the darkness a bit. I think it's the moment he got possessed. <laughs> Maybe. That's my theory now. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if it's just the... Also going to Hollywood, there's a lot of... Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's, if it's just in that industry. He's like getting a little consumed in it. Oh no, maybe he had a run-in with Harvey Weinstein. He did. He was on uh, one of one of Weinstein's films. I think it was called Could Have Been Candy? I don't know which one it was, but he was on one of Weinstein's films. Did he get abused by him? Or like <coughs> not abused um what's the word? Harassed? Like bribed or blackmailed or something? Or like I'll give you this role if you did this thing. I don't know, I don't feel like going into the minutiae of detail on those things, but I do feel like, like I said, there's points of temptation and like it it just, he strays away from his core and where he comes from and who he is. And I think there would have been more than one thing or one person that led to that. What was his purpose here? Yeah, what was your purpose? It does feel like acting was the right thing for him, but there's something through acting, like to give some kind of message. To be a bright beaming light of hope, to inspire people. Like when you're really on your path, it can be that easy. I keep feeling like he should have stuck to what he knew, but then it's like that, like we were saying, you know, when you go off path, the going off path is the, fuck, I got tempted again. And I followed temptation instead Mm. of what felt good to me. So maybe that was also one of his lessons, was like, can you trust yourself enough and stay directed to not get dragged out of off your centre? Hmm. So getting back to, because I'm really curious about what happens, you know, like the process. Mm-hmm. So he looks at his life, he says, oh, these were some good parts, these were some bad parts, they could have done more here, I'm pretty happy with what I did there. Then what happens? He's not ready to start planning his next life. Because I think also there's certain soul groups here and maybe he's meant to incarnate with them again so it wouldn't be time for him to like come back quickly. He's ahead of schedule <laughs> is what it feels like. So it's like you have to wait around for a bit but he's not waiting around with like nothing to do. What's he doing? What are you doing? Feels like he would take on a bit of a support role for the people that are still alive. I don't believe anyone, you know, they don't become your spirit guide or your guardian angel when they're your past loved one. But I feel like they can take an interest and support you in what you might need guidance with. Also, I feel like there's a sense of training other people in the spirit world. So he doesn't feel like a really fresh new soul, but he doesn't feel like really old and wise. He feels like somewhere in the middle of like being a teacher 
And so he'd be supporting people with like, what's life like on Earth? How do I navigate this? So there's definitely a teaching role. What else does he do? Looks like he gets joy out of showing people what the potentials are for life on Earth. It's almost like picking a character and like, you could be an actor, you could be a singer, you could be a doctor, you could be a mum, you can <laughs> be a beggar on the street. Like you can pick a whatever. Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like picking your avatar for the game. If there's uh well, there's like trillions of galaxies and billions of planets. Is he incarnated into any other culture? Not from this planet? I'm seeing the color blue. I, I tend to see a lot of colors when it's looking at other like races or planets. I don't know what one that is. I don't know the names of them, but it does feel like he's affiliated with or connected to somewhere else. The blue skin extraterrestrials in this galaxy, I guess, and I've heard is, are called the Arcturians. What planets do they live on? Mm-hmm. Arcturia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Arcturians. I've heard of them. But there's so many more. Everyone just talks about like Arcturians, Pleiadians, all this. Yeah. Same, Why same is people. I mean, I don't even understand what any the of that near is. death experiencers have told me that the Pleiadians aren't actually called the Pleiadians, they're called the Pleiarians. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like it's necessary to name and label every. Alien race, so it's more like, okay, what's the energy of them? Or why was he connected to them? So why was he? It's connected to his role as teacher. It feels like kindness, compassion, and, and teaching. So they don't feel like they have some big agenda. It's like support. Yeah, hopping to different places, dimensions, realms to like teach people how to like infuse kindness and compassion. I would. I get the feeling that he's also probably quite present in his daughter and his sister's lives. Let's see. He's <laughs> like, can't get rid of me. I think there's a sense of responsibility of not wanting his sister to blame herself. Like, he feels really grateful that she tried. And even before this, I feel like she could have been worried about him leaving Australia and going to America. I feel like, I don't know, the whole time it feels like she had a feeling of, they feel quite connected and so there's this, like, oh, don't leave. Not because I feel selfish and want you to stay, but because I'm worried about you and I care about you. And then his daughter, obviously, would have been incredibly young when he died. It's kind of sad. It's almost like, I got to, like, deposit you here on Earth. But then I had to leave. And this feeling of, like, oh, I hope. He didn't have enough time to, like, build a safe foundation for her. So he hopes he, like, did enough to support her in that. And, like... If she needs things in this life, other people on this earth will step in and and create that for her. But if he had more time, he could have done more. But he's watching over her. Yeah, they always, yeah. always care about the children. Okay, so he's doing these different roles right now, and he's not quite ready to come back. He's kind of waiting maybe for some of his soul family, and then they'll plan something together next time. Is there anything he wants to share with us? that he thinks would be helpful for us to know. He doesn't feel like he was on some grand mission to change the world like some of the other people we've spoken to. It really feels quite simple, like it's just one of those love, joy, kindness, compassion. I mean, that's clearly not simple for a lot of us on this earth, but he's not trying to be a challenger or a rebel or like create great change by being a... Um, 
controversial person. He's not trying to be a controversial person to create change. He's just like, I came into this life to be me. And it's like, when you lead with that, that's where your path just, there was so much ease for him because he was just being him. Mm. And as soon as he took the, he, you know, the temptation came in and he went on that path, it's like, ooh, you stopped being you a bit. So I feel like the encouragement there is like, if you be yourself and you just follow that joy and that light and you keep beaming it, like the path will just open. Yeah. I could see how that was his mission, but and so many of our missions mm. is to just like learn to be comfortable being yourself and letting that out, mm-hmm. which is so hard to do. Why are we so worried about what everybody's mm. going to think when it doesn't even matter? And it's interesting because you'd think someone like him, or what I'm perceiving of him, it would be easy to be that person because you'd be respected and loved. Like you're a kind person. You're not naturally controversial and having to like live a really difficult challenging life and therefore you know people are going to come at you and judge you he's just being genuine but then there's this it's a pressure that then comes from the inside from the self of i'm not doing enough or i need to be more like that person so in a sense he almost had it easier but it got to him i don't want to be the pretty boy yeah who gets all the easy rules yeah but why can't we just like accept who we are and what we're good at and go? Look at Tom Cruise. He was a pretty boy for a long time. And then right. now he's doing amazing, cool stuff. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to stick to that, but don't force yourself to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Yeah, so that maybe is like the tie-in to... He put too much of himself into this role that he wasn't, and it kind of like over a bit or something but at the same time he was such an actor I think since he was little like they knew he was gonna do that and it, I don't think it was just this role as as the Joker that I think it was more before that, that that the doctor started kind of creeping in and the temptation came I think it was the move to be honest it feels like slowly a slippery slope from getting into that industry in Hollywood yeah chews you up and spits you out mm-hmm. many people say yeah Anything else from him, let's just see. He doesn't feel like this complex character that we need to spend hours working out. It just feels very simple. I like that. I'm like, this is... <laughs> this is nice. Yeah, not trying to dig for loads of information. It's like, yeah. It didn't... I don't feel like it had to end then. But it did. He's accepting of that now. Try better in the next life. Does he know what he wants to try to be in the next life? Feels like he would try something different. He wouldn't. I don't think he'd try and be an actor again. But also, it doesn't feel like oh, you failed that, so now you need to make it easier by not being someone who would be famous. It's just like well, I tried that path to learn that lesson, it didn't work, so I'll try a different one. I don't know. Who knows what will exist by the time he comes back? Hmm. Well, I just want to thank Heath Ledger for coming and giving us a glimpse of life on the other side Mm -hmm. and the process that one goes through and how you end up dying, because that's quite fascinating, I think. Mm -hmm. And it'd be be interesting to ask maybe some more people that we Mm -hmm. talk to about the specifics of that, to be like, "Is is it a choice? Are there different times in your life where you can leave 
And what makes you choose to do that? And is, is it, it seems like in this case, it actually was not a choice. It wasn't a conscious choice for him. I find that one interesting because I always think about this couple that I knew and they were in a car crash and he died and she lived. And I was wondering, like, what happened in those moments? Was he like, you know, I'm out of here? Or, and then she was like, yeah, I should too. I'll stay. Or, you know, yeah, like how... Yeah, agreement between them that one will stay, one will go. Yeah, so many <clears throat> things are predetermined. And yet there's always free will, as you say. Mm-hmm. So it's like an interesting balance. Because if you have people's free will, how can the rest be predetermined? And how can we know yeah. which, like the general, like you said, with these near-death experiencers, they... They can know what's going to happen, and yet there's always the variables that might make it not happen, but generally it will happen that way. Yeah, one, it's fascinating. one was supposed yeah. to be, she was swimming and she was supposed to be hit by a, this was years ago, by a called mail boat. They deliver mail. And she almost got hit by it and missed, but that's what the she was supposed to, according to her agreement before she died, how she was supposed to get hit. But she decided at that moment, not to be hit by it, not to die. Mm-hmm. And it was a little while later that she did die. Um, and she, and the, the angel asked her, do you remember your thoughts right before you, you were about to die? And so she went back and while she's on the other side, she thinks about it and she says, yeah, I thought, what good is life anyway? And she shortly died right after that. And but then came back. She came back, yeah, okay. yes. She came back and into her body and told us about her near-death experience. And so, yeah, I think it, I don't know how it goes, but it seems like there's, at least with some people, there is a choice. Mm-hmm. I even read, read a book called No Eyes about a, um, one of the last shamans in Colorado. And it was a woman, she's no longer here, but this was written long ago. Um, she was a shaman from some tribe, Native American tribe. But she was blind. That's why they called her No Eyes. But she could see beyond the veil like no other. And she was on, she was a psychic. And one of her last apprentice wrote this book and was told by No Eyes that you do have a choice when you when you pass and not pass. You can you can decide. You know, okay, there's there's a fork in the road here. Am I going to die or am I going to go this way or that way? No eyes even told her her husband's done that. Her husband was about to die at this event and didn't. And so, anyway, so I think there's there's probably a million different kind of scenarios that go on. Yeah, I don't think it's one rule for everyone. Yeah. I think every situation is so individual. Who orchestrates this whole shebang? I'm getting really existential Hi, Bob. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, I can't. Right? There's rules. These, like, I don't know. It's like... <clears throat> Anyways, we'll talk about that some other day. But uh, once again, (laughs) thank you, all of you. And thank you, Keith. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.